morning, church. Uh, my name is Tyler Williams. I'm an anchor here at the church. Um, if you'd please stand with me, we're going to read God's word. Um, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise. Among, with, among the th festive throng, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will rem remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of, Hem of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. By, the, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Thanks be to God for the beauty and the power of his word. Love it. I got Bibles everywhere up here. It's the way it should be, right? Man, how's everybody doing? Man, y'all are a good looking crew. Yeah, not that last week's crew wasn't good looking, but just not as dapper um, as you guys. Man, I tell you what, I'm excited about today. I don't know how well this will work. I know all of you have got a, uh, a miniature journal on your seat, and hopefully you've got your own pen or there's one that is close by you because today will be an interactive Sunday. Uh, it's not that I won't preach because I can't help myself, but uh, most of today will be uh, an interactive thing that we're going to do. And again, the, we, the way that we do this and how this goes down, uh, it's the first go at it. And, uh, but the, the ultimate goal is for us to um, have an active, not a passive engagement in our relationship with God um, uh, through writing our own psalm. Uh, I know that makes some people like, you know, think I can't do this. Uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to write uh, as beautiful as King David or Asaph or the sons of Korah uh, or anybody in scripture. Um, but here's one, one truth I want you to hold on to because I think people, especially type A people that are logistics people and, you know, just like to do things a certain way and they get irritated by artistic people. I just want to say that all of you are creative. Everyone in this room, God has created you uniquely. You are, you are image bearers. You were created in the image of God. And at the heart of who God is, is what? He's a creator. And so are you. And now, the way that you create psalms and the way that you, you know, present psalms and what you write down, you, know, you might read some ones and go, yeah, that's not awesome. And somebody else's might be better than yours. I'm just going to say. But you are all creative. Um, it's just some people flex that muscle and enjoy flexing that muscle uh, more than others. But there's something we all need to create. We all have a desire to externalize on the world around us. It is something that's innate inside of us. Now, the way that God in intended that to be is that we would, in we would externalize on the world around us for the purpose of shining a big, bright, beautiful light on Jesus, what he has done, what he is capable of, how he can transform your life, the fact that he is the Redeemer. Light of heaven, you know, the one that has rescued us. Um, but that's, what, you know, and as, we, as we engage in this, I just want to tell you, this is the way this is going to go. Because I know, you know, the type A people get nervous when they see something like, what am I doing and how are we supposed to do this? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about why would we even do this? What would be the point? Um, and then how would we write our own psalm? And then what elements should I include in my psalms? And then we're just going to write a psalm. How about that? Do that together. You guys mind doing that? You okay with that? Come on, let me know. It's okay. You know, I'm an insecure pastor. Help me. All right, here we go. You know, as we think about this, the, the idea of thinking about, 
you know, why we should do it. I mean, I will land on a, a few reasons, but I, it made me think of, you know, as, as we listen to Psalm 42, I love the Psalm 42. To me, it's the preaching to yourself Psalm. You know, why are you downcast, O my soul? You know, it's like he's asking his own self, you know, why are you depressed? Why are you, he's, he's trying to, to reconcile the fact that he knows that God is sovereign. He knows that God loves him, but he's not feeling it. Like it's not in his most, it's up here, but it's not in his heart because he's in a pit. He's, he's got enemies that are coming against him. He's got people that are going, where is your God? Because his circumstances are terrible. And he's going, why are you downcast? I mean, it's that moment where you're, you're pre- and, and I said in week one, we all need to preach to ourselves. We need to lead ourselves and preach to ourselves. But just preaching to yourself off of your own feelings and off of your own heart and off of your circumstances, off of the stuff that's happening to you, off of your friend's ear and this friend's ear, unless they are dialed into Jesus, we have to be aligned with and reoriented around the words of God, the thoughts of God, the things that God wants for us. Because we live, we are currently in a culture that aligns itself with you do you. You do however you feel, whatever's happening for you, whatever is best for you, you lean in that direction. And I'll just tell you, you know, your heart is deceptive. You know, God created you, you are image bearers, but you are also sinners. Every one of you and me, sinners. And our feelings will lead us astray. And they change every minute. One minute I'm happy and I love you and things are great. And then a little bump in the road and I'm angry and I'm stressed and I've got anxiety and my decision-making matrix changes. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's a couple of things that will last for all eternity. The name of Jesus and the word of God. They do not change. They are a solid foundation under our feet. They are the filter that we need, especially now in our culture. Right now, we get to freely worship like we just did, raising our hands, proclaiming the name of Jesus, putting our heart and our mind and reorienting, reorienting our heart around the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe in the future and maybe not even that distant that it will not be. There will be prohibitions. There will be changes. There will be adjustments in the way that we worship, the things that we say, the absolutes that we proclaim as believers. Right now, freedom. We will always proclaim it free or not free. But right now we have the opportunity to do it with freedom, to, to amplify, to, to lift our voices, to raise our voices, not just in here, but across the globe with ministries like 6-8 Ministries. But part of that is how do we align our heart? And writing our own psalm has everything to do with that. I think that, you know part of the problem and the tension with us and believing that we need to do something like this, that we need to read the Psalms, saturate ourselves with the word of God, and then respond in the way that we pray the Psalms, the way that we write the Psalms, the way that we journal the Psalms. We don't know that we need it. I think about it as a parent. My, one of my greatest desires from, from my kids, and it does happen to some degree, and I have to say that because my kids are in the room, but is that they would, they would come to me, that they would bring, that they would bear their soul. I mean, I think about that psalm, in Psalm 42, this idea of, of the pleading, you know, the psalm that we, we went through last week is in Psalm 39, this idea that, you know, I, I need you. I am desperate for you to come. And coming with, my life's not awesome right now. Like, I, I just, that would, that would be the best. Like, I, I know when my kids are hurting sometimes, but I don't know exactly why. I don't know what happened at school. I don't know what's going on in college. I don't know what's happening with friends, and for them to come to me and say, I'm, I'm sad about my, what I look like. I'm sad about my friendships. They don't do that. Teenagers don't do that. But man, what a, what a beautiful thing for them to come to me and go, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know what it's going to look like when I'm 30. I don't know what it's going to look like when I'm 50. I don't even know what trajectory. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to know. But guess what? I was 30 and I was 50 and I would love for you to ask me. You know, I would love for you to come to me in, in humility and in love and say, Dad, I'm broken and I'm hurting and I'm lost and, and you can help me. Will you help me? It would be the joy of my life to walk through that heartache and heartbreak, and I would through tears, but to be a part of that situation with my kids, that would be an amazing, amazing thing. 
God looks at you, and again, illustrations break down, just like Leslie said last week. Illustrations break down all the time. But God is our perfect father. He is the one that actually does have the answers. He is the one that is way better than Father Derek to his kids. He, he, he's sovereign on high. He knows the future and the past. He's already taken care of many things. So what's the process in which we lay our, our heart out before God that we're honest, like week one. Honesty was the title of the thing. We gotta start with honesty. And then it's about reorientation around the heart of God. What would it look like? I thought about it this way. Like if, if you ever thought about, I mean, just thought about the dumb things you did when you were a kid. I mean, teenager, every, like I thought about now, what if I could go talk to past Derek? Man, I would tell him some things. You know what I mean? I mean, would you want to talk to yourself? I would. Some of you would be like, I'm kind of terrified to go back and actually remember. I've actually cut all those things off and I'm in a state of denial that I actually executed some of those, you know, that debauchery. But I would love to go back and, and, and impart wisdom. And not so much in the, you know, hey, don't do this, don't do this, invest in Apple. Um, I didn't, you know, it wasn't it really that not, it's less of that. And more in the moments when, I mean, I was thinking about even specific situations. My wife kind of brought this to my mind where I, I had a situation where for a week-long camp, it was just bad. I was, you know, it was in middle school or late elementary and it was bad, just a bad experience all week. And my parents had no idea that I was going through the the heartache that I was going through, bullying and just shouldn't have been there. None of my friends were there. And it was just, I just kind of just bore the burden on my own. Um, yeah, I know, I need counseling. Um, and for me to be able to step into that situation as future Derek and go, hey, let me show you a picture of your life. Let me show you where God's gonna bring you. Let me show you what your family's gonna look like. Let me show you your beautiful wife and your kids. Let me show you the amazing friendships that you're gonna have. Let me show you the beautiful church family that God's gonna give you, the people that are gonna have your back. Let me, let me give you a picture of those things. And in the middle of this, I might not pull you out of where you are at this camp of disaster that you're in, but I'm gonna sit in it with you. I'm gonna insert myself right here in the middle. and I'm gonna walk with you. And the whole time I'm gonna be in your ear and I'm going to lead your heart and your mind to your glorious future. I would love to have a future Derek in my past days, right? And God is way better than future Derek. He knows way more than future Derek. So why, as the psalmist does, don't we pour our heart out in honesty and engage God in that way? And pray that way. And I'm asking myself this question because I think I pray and, you know, get in the car and I throw out a few prayers here and I'm supposed to pray for my kids. So I pray for my kids and I check those things off the list. But actually getting down to the root of honesty before God and petitioning God and allowing the whole process to take place of reorientation and where I'm all of a sudden, got, I've gotten more vertical and my perspective has changed beyond my feelings, not just looking at my circumstances, not just looking at what I'm doing. Last week, we talked about at the very beginning, we might not ask for the right things in prayer until we're reoriented around what, what actually matters. In the initial knee-jerk reaction prayer, what we need is like the immediate, what's in front of us. I need a sweaty pile of cash to pay my bills. You know, God, why haven't you given me these things? You know, and then he reorients our heart and we realize what we need is to be at the foot of the cross, to have a new picture and vision that changes the way that we walk through life, despite our circumstances, that transcends them, that we would have the peace that surpasses all understanding, right? So as we look at this, the first thing I was like, why would we write our own psalm? I got three things really quick. We're going to write, you got a little notebook. This is a great place to take notes, like I am a technology person, but there is something about writing. Just like Gerald said, there's something about reading. Now I read a lot online and a lot of that's my vision. I mean, I make that excuse, but I've gotten used to reading on a laptop, used to reading on an iPad. I take a lot of notes as I do that kind of stuff. But there is something to having a journal, to having a record that's, and I know that scares some people because if you're gonna get real honest, you ever worry about where you left your journal? Oh my gosh, where did I leave that? Whose name did I write in there about who I hate? I mean, I mean, did I write that in there? Um, but it is good to write things down. And, and here's, here's one of the reasons why write your own psalm. One, it's good for the brain. Like this is outside of like, you know, you're like, well, that's a very spiritual answer. I'm walking out right now. It is 
Literally, it's good for the brain. Listen to this. Given that many areas of the brain are engaged when you're writing, the more you write, the more neural connections are formed within the brain. What's more is that when you pin your words on paper, the neurons in your brain fire signals at rapid speeds, thus enabling you to make more connections. There's an entire article by this neurobiologist, Barry Gordon. It's incredible what happens when you write things down, when you actually journal them, when you take the time to to put your thoughts on paper. It's different than just thinking through your prayers in the car. Now, you should do those things. That's how you pray without ceasing. You're in the car. You're like, God, I need you right now. And you bring your stress. You bring all those things. But to add writing them down and writing a psalm, writing your feelings, write this reorientation process down is a helpful process just for the brain to be able to name it, like we said last week. Like naming your stress, naming your anxiety is a part of the healing process. And that's in social psychology, one, but it's been in the Bible for millennia. Way before scientists figured out, you know what, it's actually great to name and feel and understand why you're anxious and what you're feeling when you're anxious. Okay, well, let's go back and look at the Bible. It's all over scripture, this idea of naming your hurt, naming your struggle, naming the good things, lifting up the the mountaintops and the good experiences that you have to get unstuck so that you don't bottle it up and all of a sudden explode in the middle of the day on a spouse or on your kids or on a friend. It's a good thing for us. It's good for our brain in the way that it forces us to engage with what we're writing in memory. Secondly, and these kind of build on each other, it exponentially builds your faith over time. 240 times plus, the, God says to remember. And it's usually about him. Remember what happened. Remember my faithfulness. Remember how you were here and you thought you were down and out and it was gonna be the end and I brought you out. Remember how I brought you out of Egypt. Remember how I brought you and and we crossed the Jordan. Remember how I handed the mantle of leadership to Joshua and he cleared everything out in the promised land. Remember what happened when you thought this was the end. Remember what happened when you broke all of the promises, but I kept all of the promises and I extended mercy to you. It happens over and over and over again. And the apostle Paul picks that up in the epistles when we're talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember, this isn't the end of the story. Remember that when he says, it is finished, it is finished. And this is, these are the implications for you. In Ephesians 2, why is he pushing all this information about your salvation and the beauty of the fact that you were dead in your sins and trespasses? But yet, God's mercy was extended to you in the very moment when you were spiritually dead and had no ability to make a choice for yourself, to choose what was right, to choose what was good. He came and resuscitated you and brought you from death to life. Don't forget those things because they will impact you. For the, that, that reorientation will change you. So writing your own psalm exponentially builds your faith over time. Do you know why? This, this happened to me when I started journal. I was never a journal, not, a, not somebody that read or wrote a ton. Um, and back in 2003, 2004, I started writing and journaling a lot. In 2005, I picked it up a lot because I was going through a really difficult time. And a lot of it was mundane. It was like, yeah, I went to work today. I was a, a systems analyst. You can imagine, that is the most boring journal of all time. I wrote some really killer code today. It was fantastic. And there was warehouse management and distribution, in, inventory management and planning. You should have seen the way we move the things from shelf to shelf. It's fantastic. So yeah, my journal was boring. But then I would talk about life, about kids, about what was going on, the pains that I had, the things that I was praying for. And I was just writing them down. Like, I gotta write all this stuff down. I've kind of come up with my own system of writing it all down. And here's how, this is my relationship with God. This is the way that I feel. This is kind of the stuff. Now, fast forward to five years, 10 years, 15 years later, I read those journals and I weep looking at the roadmap of God's faithfulness, the things that I didn't know at the time, but God knew. I had no idea when I took a trip with my father-in-law to Costa Rica, and we were just like, hey, we're, we were gonna go on vacation, but we thought, hey, let's engage in the world around us for different reasons. We didn't even know it was for the gospel or anything. We're just like, you know, maybe God wants us to go here, that it would turn into something, that somebody else would come along you know, a couple of months later, and then, you know, they would go, there should be a ministry here. I'm like, I don't know. I just came here. And something would expand. And you look at the God's faithfulness over time, especially in the moments when you're like, 
wondering, is God faithful? Now, again, this isn't a replacement for the word of God. I think, and that's one of the things we'll talk about. Reading the Psalms is going to be the main way that you're going to effectively and spiritually engage with writing your own psalm. Knowing God's voice will be the, the, the thing that reorients you as you write your psalm, to know what to ask for, to know what to pray, to know what to plead with God about, to know how to come reverently before God without cursing God. There's no cursing God. Like, that's not the, the moment. Now, there is in Scripture, but that's more descriptive than prescriptive. We see people curse God in Scripture, and that's not a great thing. But that's describing a narrative. Prescriptive is, these are the things that God's leading us to, the commands that lead us to life. So as we dig in, we see it's going to build our faith. It weaves together this tapestry of God's faithfulness that you don't see it at the time, but you grab that. I grabbed that five or six stacks of journals from 2005 to 2008 or 2010, and I flipped through them. I could pick any spot, and I'm like, I cannot believe this has happened. I can't believe I'm standing here. And I'm telling you, it is a practice that will build your faith, not adding to the word of God, writing your own Psalms, but adding to the story of God that's happening through you. Maybe for the pur purpose of encouraging somebody else and saying, hey, this was, this was my life and it's very similar to where you are, to where you can empathize and get in somebody else's pit with them and say, you know, there's, God's in this with you and there's gonna be a way out. I mean, it is, it is a beautiful thing. The other thing is that, it does what we've been talking about this whole time and in this whole series. It realigns our heart with God's heart. The truth is not always how we feel. It is, the truth is what we find in the word of God. And it leads us to the cross. It realigns our heart with God's heart. It reorients us to the most important thing. The beautiful thing that we have is the foreshadowing is what the psalmist had of the cross. You can find the gospel and the cross all through the psalms. But we have the actual story, the narrative now. So our psalms can be actually different than what we see in the 150 psalms that are set in the middle of Scripture because we're reorienting our heart around salvation. We're reorienting our heart around the cross, which changes our perspective because if you wonder if God loves you, you look at the cross. If you wonder if God can resurrect things that are completely dead and gone, you look at the cross. If you wonder if there can be beauty out of the ashes of your life, you look at the cross. So it, it, writing these things, they begin the process of realigning our heart with God's heart. They lead us to this place that it's not over till it's over. If you're wondering if you've got a God that understands pain and can empathize with the, the bumpy road of, of your life, Look at the cross. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus literally verbally pours out a psalm with sweat drops of, of, of blood as he says, and, and pleads like with God, hey, if this cup can pass, let it pass, but your will be done. I mean, that, those are the words of the psalmist. Like to, to, to struggle, but also say, but you are, you are the one that, dictates this. You are the one that I submit to. It's your will that, that matters. Whatever your will is, I will follow that. That is realigning the heart with God's heart. So why do we write this psalm? It's good for the brain, builds our faith over time. And the most important thing is it aligns us and puts us at the foot of the cross. It aligns our heart with God's heart, not horizontally with our circumstances and what's around us, but vertically with the king of the universe that wants to lead us to life. All right, how do we prepare to write a psalm? All right, here we're gonna get more practical. Um, first one is read one or several psalms. Like if you're getting ready to write and, and journal, I think getting into the psalms, scripture in general, you could, there's no, again, there's no rules here. I'm just kind of giving some suggestions, but to read a psalm or read several psalms. Now the structure is different in a lot of psalms. There's some things that are similar in large chunks of psalms. But there's different ones. There's ones of praise because you might be in a season where you're just like, hey, life is good. You know, I am thankful for who God is. Look what he has done. Look at the, the, the world around me. Look what God has given me. Look at how he's brought me from this place to this place. And I want to praise him. I want to worship him. A lot of psalms are actual songs of worship and praise. And they, they're not all lament. Because some of you in here are in amazing seasons. Your kids are growing up. Some of your kids are, are graduating, which I don't know if that's 
tears or thank you, Jesus. Um, but you've got great things that are going on. And many of you are walking through Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. It's what I love about the, 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 the Psalms, the language for the heart, soul, and mind. So read several Psalms. Notice the transitions and tone changes. This is what we did last week. So we looked at the phases, the different things that happened throughout that psalm, and you can kind of pick up those, you know, those phases and transitions, and maybe you want to name them and just say, hey, this is this phase, this is this phase, this is this piece of this, and notice how some of the psalms have some similarities in those structures, and I'll give you a, an example in just a second. And then use a structure or create a structure, or if some of you are going to be real artistic, say, I don't want a structure, I want to freeform this, but there's some things that I think you should add to it. Sample would be from Psalm 39. If we, we looked last week, what were the phases that we went into? And I'm not going to go back through Psalm 39. Is one, David brings his frustration to God, right? He brings his petition at the beginning. Now, where petition is in a particular psalm is different. And it can be that way with your psalm. But he brings his frustration to God. He's humbled in the presence of God. Because he's gotten to this place, he's on his knees, he's writing a psalm, he's doing something before God. He's humbled in the presence of God. Making the decision to put yourself and say, come, God, I want to commune with you. I want to be with you. The power of God and the presence of God should put you in a place of humility. That's the process of reorientation that's beginning to happen. So he's humbled in the presence of God. And then what happens? Humility, awe, and reverence reorients the view of his situation. That's when he begins to say, you know what? This situation is terrible. But God can save. You are my savior. You are my hope. You, are, you, you did everything in the past. You've never broken your promises. Things aren't great right now, but I know who you are. And he begins in his, and then it reorients him on the rest of the world around him. He begins to relook at his circumstances through a different lens. Now that he's gotten vertical, he sees the beauty of God, the sovereignty of God, that God will never leave him or forsake him. These circumstances have all of a sudden what? They've grown dimmer. They've grown less important. They've grown less tragic and less, less fear and anxiety are wrapped around those things. He sees his enemies differently. Everything changes as he's humbled in the presence of God. And there's a reverence in the way that he approaches God. I want you to notice that. This isn't all about, you know, dropping a bunch of doubt bombs on God and cursing God. You can bring your doubts. Absolutely. God, I'm having trouble. You know, I'm, I am downcast right now. I'm having a hard time. Why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? Why does it feel this way? Why don't I hear your voice? You hear in many Psalms. So that there's nothing wrong with that, but there is a reverence around a holy God. And then there was repentance, right? He's like, I recognize my sin. All of a sudden he gets in the presence of God. Guess what happens? His sin's revealed. Not, not in this horrible, like, I feel terrible, my sin, but oh my goodness, I can repent. I can come home to a God that wants to wrap his arms around me and say, this is the best place for you to be. You've been gone for a while, but now you've come home. And God runs to you, just like the story of the prodigal son, to meet you. And then his heart is right to ask, instead of asking for what? Just the immediate things to be taken care of. I need a sweaty pile of cash to pay my bills. He begins to ask for the right thing and, and with a good heart. In that, So those are, those are some phases. And I think looking and seeing the pattern of different phases in Psalms will kind of give you a structure of your own if you want to create your own structure to write your own psalm. Like, hey, maybe I want to have this bring frustration. You know, maybe I want to make sure that I, I come before God with awe and reverence. I remember who he is, that I want to think about my life and what I've brought to the table that maybe I need to repent for. Maybe I've grabbed, maybe I've thought something else could save me other than God. And I've put that in the wrong category. And I want to repent. I want to come home and go, you are my savior, not this. And that's a process that we all need. So what are the elements maybe that we would include? And so this is, if I'm thinking about writing a psalm, this is again more personal, but I want to just give you my, my whole you know, outlook on pieces and parts that might be in a psalm that I would write. One would be intimate address. Looking at samples in scripture to find that. Like, how do I address God? Doesn't necessarily have to be at the beginning. Sometimes the complaint gets blurred out right at the beginning. And that might be the way that you write it. I am lost in the wilderness. I mean, that might be the very beginning. But intimate address, saying things like, my God, Jesus, Savior, Redeemer, Lord, 
Father, God that rescues. You can add things to that address. God that created everything I see. Thinking about how you address and add the, the attributes of God in, uh, in your address. Second thing would be complaint or journaling from daily life. And I say both of those because I think you could always complain about something, but sometimes life is good. So putting the generality of, of like, this is what's going on in life. I went to work today. It was pretty good. I had a great conversation with the guy I work with. I came home. Kids were awesome. We, you know, I mowed the lawn with my son and, and we did this and we did, you know, this was, we went and we watched Survivor and it was great. I mean, talking to, having a conversation with God about life and the, the general things that are going on. Now, do you leave it there? No, there's some transition that should happen in that whole process. For me, it was especially looking at some of my past journals, it was daily life and then it was complaint. It was, you know, I'm dealing with chronic pain. It was like, here's daily life. This is the stuff that was good. And then, hey, I'm, I have, I've had these moments where I felt stress and anxiety, where I dealt with chronic pain, where I wasn't able to focus at work, where I came home, I mistreated my kids because I thought, I justified because of the way that I felt. And I'm being honest before God. I'm being honest and saying, God, this is what's going on. And I'm not quite sure why you've left me here. I don't know, being somebody that wants to serve God, wants to give my life to God, why have you left me here? So I would add those things into the general things and the complaints would finally just flow into my psalm. And then there's God's attributes or God's faithfulness. So this is the re- part beginning the process of reorientation. So maybe putting in, you know, you're the beginning and the end. I know that you created everything that I see. I like Psalm 8 is, it's the psalmist thinking about himself in relation to God. He's saying, you know, you created the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that I see you've put into existence. Who is man that you're mindful of, the son of man that you care for him? What's he saying? He's saying, you created the universe and I'm small. You created everything. I am just a micron. I am a grain of sand. That's actually a good thing. We think, oh, well, that's especially in our society. No, you are special. You are special. But also, what does he do? He says, but you're mindful of me. You care for me. And you continue to read other Psalms. He knows the hairs on your head. He knits you together in your mother's womb. Look at the, look at the, diff, look at the amazing nature of how that changes and reorients your heart. To know that he created everything. To know that you can look at the stars in the sky. You can look at distant galaxies and think, God breathed those things into existence. And he knows me better than I know myself. Not only knows me, but loves me and cares about every step that I take. Everything that I do. He cares about my tears and my weeping. Now that takes my breath away. So to to address God in those ways. You were the beginning and the end. You created everything I see. And then to say, you are the one that can heal and restore. You are a rock. You never change. You are love. You promised to never leave me or forsake me. Again, I'm reorienting my heart around the truth of who God is and the truth of who God is in relationship to me. So you've got intimate address, complaining or journaling in daily life. And then you've got petition, asking, please change my circumstances. Don't let me die here. Please deal with my enemies. Help me with my pain and my sickness. Please lift my spirits. Lift me out of this depression. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Bring your petition. And then a statement of trust. You find this sometimes in multiple areas in Psalms. And I think it's a great thing to add to your psalm. So a sample would be, I know you love me. I will see your goodness in the land of the living. Psalm 27, right? I am patiently waiting for you. I will put my hope in you. That was in this psalm. I will worship you. I'd rather be with you than anywhere else. And that's the psalmist convincing himself that I'd rather be with you than anywhere else. I know that that's what my heart needs. At the beginning of this psalm, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. It doesn't mean every day the psalmist walks around going, God is the best place in the world, everything else is terrible. He's convincing himself knowing that what is good and what is right is that you are the, the thing that I need. Just as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs after you. I don't think that all the time. I don't run that way all the time. I don't act that way all the time, but it's true. And I need to write it down. I need to say it. I need to burn it in the brain that God is what I need, that Jesus is the one that I need. You get that? So if we look at the reading and I'll just go through this really quickly, 
the sample from the reading. Intimate address, look at it. As the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you. The address is simple in this one. My God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? You see the complaint in verse three, my tears have been my food day and night. I mean, that's some good words right there. All I've eaten are my tears because my sadness has been about. That's just honesty, you know? I mean, that is a tough thing to say alone, you know? That's, a, that's a, to, to even admit that we're that broken and weak. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Statement of trust, verse five, he says, why, why is my soul downcast? Why so disturbed? And then he answers with a statement of trust, preaching to himself in reorientation. What does he say? Yeah, I'm depressed. I'm downcast. I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm gonna put my hope in God for I will yet praise him. He's saying, despite what's going on, circumstances, my savior, my God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. I'm downcast right now, but you know what I need to do right now? I need to remember you. I, rem- I need to remember the land of Jordan. He's going back. He's looking at previous journal entries, right? He's going, look what happened at the Jordan, heights of Hermon, Mount Mazar. Petition, frustration, as I say to God, my rock, you have forgotten me. He's expressing, why must I go about mourning and oppressed by my enemy? He's going before God and saying, come on, man. What's up? We can do that with God. What's happening? Petition. Please help me. My bones suffer from mortal agony. He keeps going. Statement of trust again at the end. He says, why is my soul downcast? Why Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's like, you know what? There's going to be some praising that's going to happen. This isn't the end of the story. God hasn't said it's finished yet. He hasn't said it's over yet. He can take the end of the end of the end of everybody else's life and say, that's not the end for you. I, I will do something. I will, I will make out of this ash pile that you see, I see the beauty that is your future. So you've got all these pieces to think about. And I think the most important thing as we jump into writing our own psalm in just a second and again, you don't have to finish it. I just want you to get into, the, into the, the framework is the humility, the reorientation of the psalm. Like daily life, being honest before God obviously is something that you want in there. But there, there needs to be this recognition of who God is. And the only way, because we're not adding to the word of God. This isn't about me writing something better than it's already there. The only way this will be valuable at all is if you saturate yourself in the word of God. Because then you know the heart of God. Then you can reorient. That, then, you, then you know these words. Then these words will come to your mind. Then you will say, you created the sun, moon, the stars, and everything that I see. Yet you're mindful of me. You know me. You won't know those things. You won't be able to say, you know, uh, you are my light. You are my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? You are the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When my enemies come around me, when everybody's trying to crush me, you will come for me. You will save me. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait, be patient. Wait on the Lord and I will wait on the Lord. You won't be able to say those things and have those naturally come out on pages and paper unless you're memorizing scripture, unless you're saturating yourself in the Psalms. Do both. Read, 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 absorb, absorb, memorize and write. Not because you're, it's, this is, you know, Bible school and we're just, you know, this is what you should do to be a good Christian. You're not gonna get any extra points in heaven. Nobody's putting out the gold stars in the Baptist church for you. This is about the joy that it would bring. This is about reorienting your life around God. And it's why you were, it's how you were created. It will feel right and it will feel good to be able to do that. And I just want to say, if for me, when I, if, I, if I wrote a psalm, again, I would, just, I would write daily life. Here's what's going on. This is what's happening in life. My kids are moving on and two of them are in college. One is, you know, in this place. And here's what they're walking through. This is what's stressing me out. This is what's happening in life. This is what's happening at the church. I mean, if I was writing my own psalm today, I'd be like, I'm actually... I'm preaching right now and it's a little bit stressful. Somebody just fell asleep. Um, I I would just write what's happening. So don't feel stressed like it's gotta be this beautiful thing. And then the next lines would be, God, come, come help me. I need you. You were the one that 
created everything. You died on the cross for me. You bled out for me. There's blood in the soil at Mount Calvary. And I'm having a hard time thinking that that's for me, but it's true that it is. Please come, I need you now, come rescue me. Now I remember my journals from 2005 going, God, come rescue me, I'm waiting for you. You are the savior of the world. I wanna carry your name. I wanna, I wanna take my healing, which hasn't come yet, and I wanna use it as an amplifier to, to lead people to Jesus. I wanna shine a bright, beautiful light on you. Would you come? I'm waiting for you. I'm here waiting for you. I'm desperate in tears waiting for you. Please come. And then I would sign off. And I've got pages and pages, and they, a lot of them look the same. I could go to one and go, I wrote that yesterday. Six months later, yeah, I wrote that one again. I'm still saying, wait, what it does for the soul. I, I just can't, I can't reiterate enough. And again, if you've never journaled, I, it wasn't me. Circumstances, I think, put me into this place where I had to pour out my heart on something, and I didn't know how to do it. I'm definitely more type A, moving in this direction. And I just scribbled, you know, could barely read some of them. It is so good for the heart and for the soul to reorient your heart around the cross of Jesus Christ. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a few minutes. I don't even know how long to, for you to begin to grab a pen and just write and just start thinking about what's going on in life. Think about your week. Think about your month. Think about your year. Some of you, I know you've had a crazy year. Doesn't even have to be full sentences. No grammar is important. Doesn't have to even sound like a song, but think about what's happening. Maybe go back and read for, take one or two minutes. Read the intro part of Psalm 42 or 39 or 27 or one of the ones that we've looked at and, and look and see what pieces you want. Again, it doesn't have to have everything that we've talked about. It can just be three things, but just make sure it's reorienting your heart and landing in that place of reverence, asking God, maybe petition, in one of those places. Okay, so we're gonna, it's gonna get quiet and awkward. People are gonna be like, how long is this gonna last? Just bear with me, bear with each other and just do it. Gerald's gonna, gonna lead and sing over us. I mean, it's gonna be a, a great environment to do it the first time. And my hope is that it will continue, that it'll be something that you keep doing, that you'll come to church and bring your notebook, take notes, be awesome, because it engages the brain. You'll just be smarter. I mean, just do it for that reason. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll dig in. God, lead us right now as a church. God, I believe that if we engage this way with you, God, that you are so excited for us to come to you for our prayers to, to go from our heart and our head out of our chest into a pen and on paper that we could go back to, that we could see, that we could share maybe one day to understand our story with you. Just come and always, always, always lead us back to a vision of the cross what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
everybody doing? So if you could pass your journals to the left. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I actually did think about reading this and then I read it again. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to read it to you. Um, you know, I, 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 I was just thinking about one of the things that I, I enjoy the most um, and one of the things that just makes my heart explode um, is when I get a letter from from, from my kids and um, Father's Day. Some of them are ridiculous. My son, Jack, his are 90% humor and usually about an inch of I love you. Um, and they are so funny and make me laugh and cry, but they all pour their heart into them. And um, I, never, I never get rid of any of them. I got like a whole drawer that's so messy at home with all of my kids, like stupid cards and amazing cards, pictures and drawings and art. And uh, um, Ella's are always like super beautiful and cute and super thoughtful. And she writes a whole lot more than the boys, um, but they're all so amazing. And it is 
I come out of my shoes sometimes, and sometimes when I'm like needing to be a, get a lift, uh, I go read them. And I just had this picture this week as I was doing all this, and I, I was riding in the car coming back from Atlanta, and, and I just I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I said, I, I wonder if, because I've written a lot of these little things, and I can imagine getting to heaven and seeing God go into the drawer, you know? And pulling it out, and, and it's, it's full of your stuff that you wrote them, that you prayed to them, that you asked them. And, and he's just looking at it. He's going, I kept them all. I kept every single one. I, I remember this one right here. I was standing right next to you. I was in your ear. I was reorienting your heart. I was pointing... I kept pointing, I kept shouting at the cross. Look at the cross. If you're wondering if I love you, look at the cross. If you're wondering if I understand your pain, look at, look at what, if you're wondering if I answered these letters, I did, I did, I did, I did. I answered them all. And he's gotta be so excited. He's like, I, I just want you to know how much this changed your life. How much joy it brought my heart. God is so desperate to lift our eyes away from this world, your circumstances, the things that are stressing you out, the things that are killing you and leading you to death. And he wants to lead you to life. He wants to lead you to life. So let's respond. This is our, our ministry time. This is our time to receive and reorient our heart, to, to, to allow God to heal us with our mind all the way into our heart, into our soul, with our language and with everything that we have. So let's stand together. We're gonna worship. And we're gonna sing. Make, the, make these words to God. Make these words, God's words, to reorient your heart. Holy Spirit, God in heaven, Jesus, just come. Just come and lead us in the way that only you can. Give us the wisdom and the stamina to run the race and know that we have a cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on in every moment. And at the head of that parade is you, Jesus, seated at the right hand calling out our name.